0: Hello and welcome to Last Week 100 Years Ago, the podcast where we bring you the hottest news from last week, 100 years ago. I'm Isaac Smith, and I am not joined by Mike Karch because this episode is a mini-sode. And a mini-sode is a shorter episode where we focus on a single subject we might not have had the time to cover during a full episode. And I should say that this is actually gonna be two parts, so maybe it's just a normal episode. But with that, let's jump right in. Today's episode is about Roy Gardner, Newspapers all across the West Coast labeled him as the smiling bandit, or the mail train bandit, or most notably, king of the escape artists. Roy was born on January 5th, 1884 in Trenton, Missouri. People called him charming and attractive, growing up to be just under six feet tall with piercing blue eyes and short, curly, auburn hair. His early days were spent as a drifter in the Southwest, learning to be a farrier, someone who trims horses' hooves, and a miner, before leaving to join the U.S. Army and then very quickly deserting to Mexico in 1906. There he became a gunrunner, smuggling and trading arms and ammunition before being captured by soldiers and sentenced to death by firing squad. This would be Gardner's first escape from the law when in 1909 he broke out of the Mexican jail along with three other Americans and arrived back in the U.S. There he turned to boxing, but quickly gave that up and shifted to petty thievery, robbing jewelry stores and the like. He was arrested and spent time in San Quentin prison, but was paroled after saving a prison guard's life. He then became a welder, married, had a daughter, and started his own welding company in 1918. All seemed well and good for Roy Gardner. That is, until a business trip to Mexico, when he gambled away all his money at the racetrack and then robbed a U.S. mail truck of $80,000. There he was caught burying the money, and this is where his quote-quote career really took off. From the Los Angeles Evening Express on June 3rd, 1920, a small box reads, Prisoners taken north. Deputy United States Marshal Cavanaugh today took Roy Gardner, San Diego mail bandit, Harvey Nifong and J.W. Smith, automobile thieves, to McNeil's Island to begin their sentences. The former is to serve 25 years and the others two years each. But Roy never made it to McNeil's, at least not yet. The story goes that he looked out the train window and shouted, look at that deer, which for some reason caused Kavanaugh and another officer, Haig, to look. Roy then grabbed Haig's gun, handcuffed the two officers together, stole $200 and jumped off the train and headed to Canada. I find it pretty hard to believe that all he said was look at that deer and he was able to escape. I don't know why a deer would be so special. I assume they were pretty common. My unproven theory is that maybe he bribed the officers with money and then took the 200 to make it look like a real robbery. But anyway, he was in Canada for around a year before coming back to the US. And on June 17th, 1921, the San Francisco Examiner published this long piece by Roy, and they're really treating him like some sort of celebrity. There's a photo of Roy and his wife on the front page, and the headline reads, When will these two be together again? Here are Roy Gardner, arch bandit, and his wife. Once again, he is in custody, facing two 25-year terms in McNeil's Island Penitentiary. She declares she'll wait for him and join him when he's released, so they may have their picture taken together again. Very sweet. It's, It's like someone would be going off to war, not going to prison for stealing a lot of money. And this is surrounded by a large article by Roy with the headline, Ever suspicious and prying woman led to my arrest, Gardner sighs. Super Bandit gives vivid picture of the fox's end of the chase. And, before I get into that article, there's another article about this arrest on the same page titled Arch Bandit Recaptured in Centralia, and there's some quotes by Roy in it. Tell my wife I love her. It's goodbye for this time. If I were as far south as Roseburg, I'd have some time to frame up another escape, but McNeil's Island is too close. The only thing I regret is that I haven't had time to get a shave. I hate to appear at McNeil's Island with a beard. So this article talks about how Roy escaped on the way to McNeil's Island a year ago and is now arriving at the station handcuffed to two guards. It goes back to how he came to town, and I guess they heard he was there because it says they were looking for him. So he was hiding in some brush and eventually slipped aboard a freight train to Centralia. He got a room in a hotel under the name of J Pattern, then moved to a different hotel the next day but then for some reason attended a home products educational exhibit with his face heavily bandaged to conceal his identity. And a patrolman there found that suspicious because it's a man in a face full of bandages and followed him, arrested him. And then Roy admitted to being himself. But then the article says that the wife of the owner of the hotel was one of the ones who helped turn Roy in. And apparently when talking with him, she said the bandages he wore roused her suspicions immediately because Roy told her that his face and hair had been burned in a gasoline explosion, but she didn't buy it because his eyebrows weren't singed, which like, wow, great detective work. Then she noticed his gold teeth, which I guess was an identifying factor for Roy because she immediately phoned the police, which eventually led to his arrest. Anyway, the article says that a thousand residents waited at the station platform to see him get on the train to head towards McNeil. I don't know if that figure is true, is probably embellished a little bit. But part of why I think Roy was so revered was because like, yes, he stole a shit ton of money, but even he himself says he would never kill anyone. And there's a quote and it says, I never killed a man yet and don't want to. So it's really just a sticking it to the man. But let's backtrack a bit to the article by Roy titled Ever Suspicious and Prying Woman Led to My Arrest. So it seems like they let Roy publish his article from prison to accompany the other article because it goes into a lot of detail about the bandages and how he got caught. He talks about scrounging for food and stealing some chickens and cooking them, about going to a restaurant but then turning around when he spotted Harry Wend, who I believe was an officer. He talks about stealing from the guards on the train earlier and how they offered to take off his handcuffs if he told them where the stolen money was from the previous job. And I'll read a little excerpt. I'll think about it, I told him. And just then I pulled out my gat. Wrinkle died for me, but I sidestepped and had them both covered. They couldn't do a thing. But even at that, Mulhall wouldn't put his hands up until I'd stuck my gun in his stomach and shoved him up for him after taking away his own gun. I'll say one thing for him. Even if I did shake him, they're the gamest guards I've ever seen. Roy then goes on to say that he regrets not trading shoes with the guards because they were able to track down his footprints from a plate mark in his heel, and that he really just needed to take a chance and sleep in a good bed. Then he bought the bandages and eventually got caught. And then there's an excerpt from his wife, Dolly Gardner, and it says... Well, I'm glad it's all over, and I'm sure Roy will be a good boy and go to McNeil's Island to begin serving his sentence. Since Roy escaped last Saturday, I've been living in the fear that he might kill someone, and if he'd do anything like that, it would break my heart. But Roy's not a bad man. He's been a good husband to me and a good father to our baby, and I'm going to stick with him. He'll not serve any 50 years at McNeil's, and when he completes the term expected of him, I will join him and he'll go straight. So Dolly really thought that Roy was going to live out his sentence at McNeil's and then return to her and they'll take another picture together and live happily ever after. But Roy had other plans. And after six weeks at McNeil's, Roy convinced two other prisoners, Lewardess Bogart and Everett Impen, that he had, quote, paid off the guards in the towers. And on Labor Day, September 5th, 1921, at a prison baseball game, he yelled now. And him and the two prisoners ran to the barbed wire fence where Roy had already cut a hole. And of course, Roy didn't actually pay off the guards. He just wanted bodies there to make sure he wasn't the sole target. And so bullets flew past them as they tried to make it to the other side, and Roy was hit in the left leg, Bogart was badly wounded, and Impen was shot dead. And it says that his dying words were apparently, quote, "Gardner told us those fellows in the towers couldn't hit the broadside of a barn." And so obviously, he was wrong. So Bogart was recaptured, but Roy escaped and they couldn't find him. And he actually sent in a letter to the Bulletin Publishing Company, which was published in papers all around the country, telling of what happened that day and asking for a pardon from Harding. And the excerpts I'm reading from is from the Eugene Register Guard on September 26, 1921. And on the front page, it says, newspaper claims letter from Roy Gardner, bandit safe, no diverse, though hurt and thrilling break. In the note, he asked for a pardon, but he also says how he was determined to escape with a desire to, quote, go straight and make a new home for his wife and baby, which I don't really buy because then, you know, why was he stealing in the first place? But here are some direct quotes from Roy's note, and notice how he's the victim even in this scenario. I was hit the first time, went out about 200 yards from the edge of the brush, and I stumbled but did not fall. The bullet went through the fleshy part of my right leg, about four inches below my hip. Bogard saw me stumble, and when he passed me, he asked if I was hit. I said yes and told him to go on. He turned and started, and after running about 25 to 30 yards, he spun around and fell on his back. When I passed him, his mouth was wide open, and I thought he was taking his last breath. I felt awfully lonesome about that time. Seven rifles spitting at me and badly winded with about 75 yards to go. I was hit the second time when about 150 yards from the fence. And Roy says that after getting hit the second time, he hopped over the fence and hidden some brush. And the warden ordered them to start a fire to smoke Roy out, but he stood his ground. And then a quote from Roy that's very dramatic and really playing into the what was me card. I figured that was no place for Dolly Gardner's husband, so I began crawling back towards the fence that I'd so recently jumped over. I got back to the fence and lay flat up against it until dark. And then after midnight, Roy had to crawl past the patrolling guard, slip back through the fence, and headed towards the prison barn. But right before he got there, he passed out from a loss of blood and laid there for around two hours, allegedly, and quote, I thought then I would have to give it up, but I finally managed to get to the water trough and get a good drink. That revived me like a shot of hop. And then he stayed in the barn and drank milk for two days at the prison before jumping in the water and swimming to the nearby Fox Island. And there he milked farmers cows and ate their apples, quote, gaining strength every hour. And this is all so completely dramatic, but at the same time, such a gripping tale, and the public was, like, waiting for the next Roy escapade, and so much so that in the Los Angeles Express on September 26, 1921, there was an article titled, Express Readers Give Their Theories on Gardner Escape, where people wrote in to give their ideas of what happened to Roy and how he, like, really escaped, and Roy knew his fame could help him gain the public's favor, and he knew how to milk it, pun intended. But as clever as he was, he had to get caught eventually. And so we'll visit what happened next with Roy in the second part of this minisode next week on Last Week 100 Years Ago. Last Week 100 Years Ago is created by Isaac Smith. This episode produced and edited by Isaac Smith. Additional editing and sound mixing by Jeremy Zussman. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Last Week 100 Pod for clippings of this article and more. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.